0: Hi, my name is Shlomi Ron, I'm the Co-Founder and CEO at the Visual Storytelling Institute. Uh, We're based here in sunny Miami, Florida. And oftentimes we get a lot of uh, people that uh, talks about storytelling, business storytelling. And when you think about it, business storytelling, in essence, it's really about uh, how you tell a story that's designed not to entertain, but really to drive business results. And part of the reason we talk a lot about storytelling, obviously, is because a lot of businesses are struggling to break through the clutter and through the communication noise that's kind of affecting businesses of any size. So that's why I'm super excited today to have a fantastic guest on our show, Park Howell. And Park is really one of the prominent voices today in business storytelling. He was uh, an early mentor. I followed his podcast uh, early on when I started uh, Visual Storytelling, so it was a great uh, journey to follow him uh, as he started. And above all, he's a great friend and humble. I really like those qualities uh, that he shows uh, throughout his uh, presentations and uh, podcasts. So a little bit about Par, just to kind of give everybody a sense of uh, his background. Uh, Park was honored as the Advertising Person of the Year in 2010 by the American Advertising Federation of Metro Phoenix. His agency was also recognized among the top 10 impact companies in Arizona uh, by the Phoenix Chamber of Commerce. Uh, He also created a communication curriculum uh, based on his story cycle, that's uh, his business storytelling framework that he teaches in the Executive Master of Sustainability Leadership Program at Arizona State University to help international B2B executives advance their social initiatives further and faster through the power of story. Wow, that's incredible, Park. I'm really (laughs) humbled to have you today on our show.
1: Oh, thank you, Shlomi. I'm the one who's humbled. That was a very nice introduction. I really appreciate that, and thanks for having me here today.
0: Awesome great so our audience is really comprised of entrepreneurs and marketers that pretty much trying to get a sense of uh, both the storytelling and how to uh, deliver it using visual media formats so Mm -hmm. i thought you know your angle was kind of very interesting because uh, you kind of started uh, you know spreading the gospel of storytelling uh, early on and i want to I wonder if you could share your backstory, how you got started, because I know your background was really coming from a traditional marketing, advertising.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I have. I've been in the advertising branding world for almost 35 years now. And uh, I ran my own ad agency here in Phoenix, Arizona called Parking Company for 20 of those years. But I can tell you in about 2006, I saw the whole paradigm shifting and I didn't know where it was going. And what I mean by that paradigm shifting is our branding and marketing work as we knew it as the very traditional form of advertising from TV, radio, print, outdoor, direct mail, that kind of thing, just wasn't being as effective as it had been before. Uh, And what was going on, obviously, was the interwebs. The Internet showed up, democratized communications. And so, where our clients with big brands used to own the influence of mass media, well, the masses became the media and they own their brand stories. And I started scratching my head, Shlomi, wondering, oh my God, the world has changed (laughs) around us. I don't understand this online world, but more importantly, I did not understand the ramifications of it, the big picture right. when it came down to communications. And I knew I had to try something else, but was not quite sure where to go from there.
0: Yep. Awesome. And, and when you, you, you first kind of do your first uh, I know, you know, following your podcast, there's also the, the, the fun story of uh, your son, I guess, that went to college and you kind of uh, asked him to show you His textbooks, right?
1: Well, you know the the universe has a way of conspiring to help you out (laughs) when you are completely lost. As long as you are humble and open to it, and I got to tell you, you're exactly right. Our our middle child Parker, who's our our oldest son, um, went to film school at Chapman University to study and work, you know, in film in Hollywood. And he graduated. He started 2006. He graduated 2010, and he's been in Hollywood ever since. And he does a lot of work in motion design, animation, graphics. In fact, he just finished up a new game show that's coming out um, on Fox, I think in January, called Mental Samurai. And so he was part of the production team that developed the animations and graphics that go along with that game show. But that's how he makes is living to pay his bills what he really is about is directing and he directed a uh, a virtual reality in fact the very very first first person virtual reality music video for Red Bull that was launched in June oh, and wow. so he's been doing a lot of work in the in the virtual reality world directing um, and then doing motion design on the side but i tell you that only because he wasn't just one of these you know movie film school wannabes he dove into it uh, between 2006-10. Great program at Chapman, got out, and he's been in Hollywood ever since. Now, while he was going there, Shlomi, I, was, I asked him, I said, Parker, when you're done with those textbooks, send them to me because, number one, I wanted to vet this fairly expensive education. Right, right. Chapman teach these young, impressionable, eager storytelling minds to be competitive and make a living in the most competitive storytelling market in the world, and that's Los Angeles, Hollywood. And number two, uh, and more importantly, I think for me, was what did Hollywood know and screenwriters know that I needed to learn to become more, a more competitive storyteller in what had become an enormously competitive? Oh, sorry about that. Let me shut that down. Sorry about that. You know what? I better put my – I better put my uh, (laughs) – there we go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. (laughs) Sorry about that. All right. Welcome to my world. I should have turned that – put that to airplane mode earlier. No worries. No Uh, worries. So so I started studying what he was doing there, and Uh uh, I got the books, and that's when I really learned about Joseph Campbell, America's foremost mythologist. Yep. And the 12 steps of the hero's journey and how other screenwriters were using it to create these, you know, mega hits. Everything from Star Wars to The Matrix to the Lego right. movie to Ready Player One. And that's when I thought, wow, there's this template or form to story that has been used since the beginning of time for a universal reach. And yet we've never really heard about it or used it in advertising marketing in the, in the persuasive arts Why not? I couldn't figure that out. So, I did. I took the hero's journey and I mapped it to business, created my 10-step story cycle system that you can use for everything from high-level story strategy around a brand right down to the actual tactical creation of the communication and story elements you need to uh, present that brand to the world. That was my big aha moment. It took about four years of studying trying a few experiments on this end. But then once 2010 hit, man, we were off to the races. And some of the clients that we've used it on have grown by 300 400 percent. And, 400%, and the they process. will be the first to tell you it's because they finally got their story straight.
0: No, that's amazing. You know, especially I really like the, you know, the transition, basically how Hollywood Entertainment World used uh, storytelling. Obviously, the purpose was um, to entertain maybe sell some tickets, but, you know, in business, you know, the, the, the objective kind of morphed into really how can you grow your business and really drive, you know, sales, you know, get your products out and connect better with the audience. So kind of the objective changed, but, you know, at the same time you use entertaining uh, tactics to, to to get your uh, The attention of your audience. Now, when you think about, uh, I know, again, you're coming from a standpoint of storytelling, which is kind of the more kind of pure uh, definition uh, of business storytelling. But can you tell me, you know, in your world, you know, having worked with lots of clients and, and doing this for a while, how would you define visual storytelling?
1: Well, I think any kind of storytelling, whether it's visual, oral, or written storytelling, is about engaging with the very primal structures of our minds. It's presenting information to your audience, in your case, visual storytelling, you know, um, Mm -hmm. seeing it that then encodes and also triggers past experiences or past narratives that are embedded in our brains that we use to help make meaning out of life. And you as the storyteller, I think, have to be that person that, that offers two elements of story and allow your audience to become, you know, to, to connect the dots as that third element. And so therefore, when you see some amazing artwork, right. your brain, for instance, um, when done right, should be able to tell its own story. And hopefully the artist is good enough to convey what that story is.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned artwork, you know, because, (laughs) you know, on the New York Times, there is a, every Friday, they have a section that basically they interview uh, art collectors. Yeah. And what made them pick, you know, that, piece versus the other and it's really fascinating to to hear their describe uh, their decision drivers and sometimes they said you know it, it simply talk to me and mm-hmm. i really like that you know that you know simple a uh, connection that as you said you know people has you know carrying this uh, bag of experiences of on their back, and then you know, when they hear an interesting story, it could be a book, a movie, a, an artwork. Mm-hmm. So that's connection that's really kind of going to trigger something uh, that makes sense in their world. So, so that's magic. Magic moment you're talking about is really the,
1: yeah. The, the, and the, you might argue, you might argue that all storytelling is visual storytelling because what are you trying to do? You're trying to ignite images in the theater of one's mind and audience's mind that then triggers different emotions, you know, and the different endorphins that uh, are the chemistry of our brain. But you think about it. Anytime you hear a great story, you see pictures and images going off in your head In your world with the Visual Storytelling Institute, you're even more direct or pragmatic in that because you are trying to find imagery that evokes some sort of emotion um, some sort of connection, maybe it's a memory, maybe it's excitement about the future, but you yeah. literally are doing it. A lot of time in our worlds, we have no visuals to work with. It's either just up on, uh, uh, us on stage sharing a story or, of course, like in a blog, you might throw an, uh, a photo in there to right. capture their attention. But people are reading that story and you're even, as a storyteller, especially a business storyteller, you want to find ways to ignite that imagery in people's minds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is happening to us every time, you know, especially in our workshops where I see how people get excited once they finally get it. So can you tell me a little bit more about, you kind of touched on it uh, briefly, uh, how do you use visual storytelling with your clients in terms of uh, both on the mental side of kind of uh, bringing to life images uh, of the materials you're training them on? As well as what kind of a visual aids you are using in your delivery yeah.
1: you know and it's funny I bet you and I kind of approach this from the exact opposite realms <laughs> so when I'm working with a client I first get them in maybe we're doing speaking presentation or they're putting their brand story together I actually have them erase their minds of, of visuals put them all to the side and first Find the elements of the story that are authentically yours and are compelling in the marketplace that is really going to make your brand stand out because it's different and therefore better. Um, Then find those stories in the wild that back up what your brand is about, what it stands for. And I ask Mm -hmm. people to go and find like nine one-word descriptors about your brand. Three that describe the company, the organization itself three that describe the product offering or service offering, and three that describe what customer engagement looks like. And yeah. then on each one of those one-word themes, I asked them to go find a true story that if you were sitting around a campfire, you know, out in the desert or, or at the cafeteria, that you could easily share that story with your audience around there. And as you're storing, their brain fires up mentally, and they right. can picture what's going on. Then and only then – do I say, let's now go and find, when appropriate, let's go find imagery that is going to back this up. Imagery that is going to take it even deeper, stronger. Imagery that is helping you say what you want to say, but is not going to overtake what you're trying to say. It's not going to trump you. It's not going to be so out there that it draws your audience in and now they're looking at that imagery and they're not paying attention to what you're Um, Saying so, it's a it's a fine it's a subtle dance. But I always start in the imagery of words,
0: and then only then
1: go and find the right kind of imagery to attach to it.
0: And what type of imagery you you kind of transition into?
1: It all depends. Now I do, as you've seen, I've worked with you. um, My business, a story workshop, um, incorporates everything from photography. To video and you know sometimes they say people say don't use video in your presentations because it takes audiences attention away from you Um, and I and I kind of call BS on that because you know what in my presentations it's not about me it's about the audience all the time so I will use the visual medium of video even if I let that run for three and a half or four minutes and sit to the wayside if I think it advances the training and the story and what's gonna help the audience most Um, And then most recently, I've added a lot of original illustration uh, cartoons and the like to help back up my points. And sometimes, Swami, I will give Mm. that presentation using those visuals as a visual punch and other times not using it at all. And now... Here's where it's funny because Luis Medina, uh, my guy I've worked with for a long time, cr- brilliant, brilliant creative director, great designer, great writer. He and I do a lot of work together. Uh-huh. He helped me with the creation, um, and we brought in a, a French illustrator here in Phoenix, Christophe oh, cool. Genot, who does wow. some really beautiful, brilliant <laughs> stuff. We got it all put together, and I was working out at, at McCormick, the spice company out yep. in Baltimore. Used a lot of those and had a great half- Day training session with them so much so that they're inviting me back to do some more. But then the very next day, Shlomi, I was I had to drive from Baltimore down to Northern Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. Two to three times a year, I work with the U.S. Air Force and their Brigadier to four-star generals on storytelling and communications for leadership. I've been doing this for three years now, so I've been many many storytelling sorties with them. Well, on that drive down, something happened to my six-year-old MacBook. It went on the fritz. It died, essentially. gave up the ghost. So I had to go in and I did a half-day story workshop with the Air Force um, with no visual aids. I mean, nothing. And I I just (laughs) 10,000 hours of practice. I knew how to do this. I workshopped them even harder because we weren't spending as much time on my presentation materials. And we had a blast. And I got to tell you, after every single time I present or do workshops with most clients, but especially the Air Force, they'll do an assessment immediately after that, you know, to mm-hmm. get the generals to give their impression. And I've always have scored high, so I'm I'm very proud of that because I go and very prepared and work with them. Yep. But I got to tell you, I probably scored the highest out of the ten sessions I've done with them over three years with this one that I did. Just on, it was on Halloween on October 31st. Yep. At, with no visual aids, Shlomi, wow. so it flies in the face of this program, yeah. but it, it does and it doesn't, is you don't have to have imagery, actual physical imagery, to be a very powerful storyteller, uh, business communicator, if your words carry those images that you have in your mind, to be able to trigger them and release them in your audience's mind.
0: No, I totally agree with this uh, observation, you know, Just two weeks ago, there was a conference here in uh, Miami about, you know, latest technologies in town, Unbound. And I actually using a a VR headset for the first time just to see how it feels like. And I can tell you, you know, the the sensation of the reality was extremely, you know, strong. But to your point, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the ability to visualize a, a story in your head and see yourself progressing with the story is a fantastic uh, device we all carry with us with no gear tethered to anywhere, and it's a fantastic case. Yeah, uh, the ultimate
1: virtual reality yeah, yeah, virtual exactly. reality goggles are right between your ears. Here's exactly. a good example of that. I mentioned Parker, our son, earlier. He produced two virtual reality films within about the past year. One of them was for a a, a VR camera, a consumer virtual reality camera. And I'm going to have to get back to you on the name of it. I can't think of it right now. But you can go online. You can go to Uh parkerhowell.com and you can watch his first VR movie called Confucius. And it was all about that camera. And it tells a story. It tells a story about um, humanity getting lost in gaming and virtual reality and potentially missing out on real reality because they're so focused on it. And is there a way virtual reality could actually – You know, deliver goods, not just entertainment. You know, so to help you level up in life in general. So he did that one. It was very story-based and a good solid production. Then he did the Red Bull one, and you can see that on on ParkerHell.com, or you can go to Red Bull and search Villette. She is a New Zealand pop star, B-I-L-L-E-T-T-E, I think it is. And the video, her song is called Money. Now, in that one a much greater production budget, bigger production. All Both yeah. of them were first-person virtual reality, amazing effects. He poured probably, I think, three months of his time in editing and piecing it all together. They both turned out great. They are both different, and one really tells a story. The other one tells a really great story, but in a music goal, in a music video sense. Well, they both were entered, unbeknownst to Parker, someone else entered these two projects in a virtual reality film festival in Canada. Uh And his less expensive, very quickly edited, story-packed Confucius won one of the categories over the big budget Red Bull one. And he was super surprised. He's like, oh my God, but dad, you know, everything that went into this, we shot it on a soundstage in LA. and And I go, ah, but it just shows you story wins out every single time. Yeah, You have to, it doesn't matter how spectacular your visuals are. um, If you don't take your audience on a narrative arc and take them somewhere and change them in the process of that story, uh, you're you're just going to lose them. You're just going to be another communicator wallpaper out there. You're going to look and sound the same. And so visual storytelling starts with a great story. I just... See no, through, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I always uh, think, you know, story first, visual second. Yeah. And, and really, you know, it, to me, it's also a, a great analogy to this is really, you know, when you use a, uh, you know, when you look at the high end VR, like your son uh, created, uh, you know, the Red Bull. To me, these are all examples of uh, basically a complete baked dishes that are mm-hmm. ready for consumption. Versus when you run uh, your audience uh, around a storyline, it's more like you are basically providing them the ingredients and they are the cooks in your kitchen (laughs) and they create the story using their own imagination. So they are on the driving seat of the experience versus the passengers on somebody else's uh, visual story uh, delivery. Even though, you know, from the experience of, you know, watching movies and uh, others, you know, there's a lot of uh, ability of uh, movies and uh, other artworks to really kind of uh, inspire people to basically take the first step of creating that theater of the mind story. And then, you know, the audience can embellish it and, and add other layers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, as a storyteller, you really are more of a story sharer uh, because you definitely want your audiences to be a part of that story and, and allow them to connect the dots and allow them to bring it, you know, their own version of that story. To the front. But you have to also be careful in business. You want them to take away a specific kind of knowledge or a specific behavior change or a specific initiative. So you've got to be very intentional about that story you tell them, invite them into them, let them connect the dots, but make sure they leave with the story you intended for them to leave with. And I think the only way that happens is that you go in as an intentional storyteller, you have your story mapped out. You have your visualies just very strategically put in there to amplify what you're trying to say, to build emotion with them. Um, you get them on board, but by God, you don't want them to hijack your story because Absolutely. it also becomes a completely different story and probably not the story you intended unless you intentionally tell them a story. Absolutely. And
0: speaking about the destination of your story, where you want to lead them, as you said, uh, what are the typical business objectives you? typically help your clients with?
1: Oh, you know, boy, it can be from anything. So I do a ton of branding and brand story development work. And where before, when I was in the ad world and ran my agency for those 20 years, it was primarily just doing branding work for the big brand, for the company or the organization. And so institutional branding work. But once I started bringing story into it and saw how powerful it was with the leadership and their their ranks in the C-suite and so forth. Um, And the more I was asked, like you mentioned in the opening, Arizona State University coming to me and asking me if I would write and share my storytelling curriculum with an executive master's program there, which I did. I learned, Shalomi that this was no longer just about the institutional big brand story that you would normally associate with advertising and marketing. It became helping leaders understand their own personal brand and grow Mm -hmm. their influence. Yeah was for C-level and middle managers to understand a brand of an initiative they were trying to release within an organization or how to build camaraderie among a team using storytelling. So I'm called in for all kinds of business strategy, everything from still the high-level brand strategy down to helping leadership truly understand what their brand mm. stories are to go their influence. Sales teams, I will be doing a lot of work at the beginning of the year um, on sale, with sales teams to help them do a better job of selling software and software is a technology is a really big client of mine um, about selling the actual human impact, the software Mm. has. I always say, your story is not about what you make. It's about what you make happen in people's hearts and minds. So uh, the the strategies I typically deal with are those, the institutional branding, leadership development, building camaraderie then among Mm. the ranks to help In coordination or cooperation around a a change initiative or an innovation initiative that they're trying to undertake
0: and 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 as you go through these experiences with your clients obviously you've been doing this for a couple years now what would you say are the common misconceptions about you know storytelling business storytelling because there's a lot of people confusing sometimes they say you know the confused story with the narrative they don't know the the difference between them yeah. you know, and what storytelling can actually bring everybody's saying you know storytelling on Instagram that's storytelling but is it really storytelling
1: no it's not no and I'm, yeah. I'm really glad you said that they call it Instagram stories but they're not yeah. you're you're yeah, yeah. showing some photos of some linear things that yeah. happen but you don't have any setup. You don't have any like major problem that you're now trying to exactly. overcome. You don't have other characters coming in to help you overcome those challenges. And at the end, you don't have this final resolution, you know, the basic right. three act story. So you're right. That becomes a real misnomer. What I am finding is changing. I've been actually doing this now for about 12 years, both first with the brand story development and then over the past seven years in coaching and teaching and workshops for leadership development and brands internally. First thing I hear, but it's really changed quite a bit, Shlomi, is leadership used to think storytelling was a gimmick. It doesn't really work. It's a soft skill. My technical hard skills can beat up your soft communication and relationship skills every time. But now they're seeing... Oh, God, we had that wrong. Oh, my God, you're right. We are all storytelling animals. So that has changed, actually. So we have gotten over the gimmick side of storytelling. And now people are, are thinking, just like you had said there, oh, we're already great storytellers. And yep. I say, okay, give me an example. And it can't. You know, they say, so for instance, I heard a, one of the top executives at Johnson & Johnson saying that, yes, you know, everybody at Johnson & Johnson are storytellers, and we're just yeah. natural storytellers. And I can tell you right now it's total BS because as soon as you stepped foot in your business or your organization, you default to your left logical brain and you left your old right. beer drinking, wine drinking, storytelling brain back at the bar with your pals. So Then they would go on to say, you know, I said, give me an example of what you're talking about in front of a big crowd. They go, oh, well, you know, for instance, any of them, um, they have the authority to shut down a production line whenever they want. If something bad is going on, we'd give them that authority. And so that happens, you know, they they have agency to do that and they can save us a lot of money in the long run, even though we may lose some right there. And so that's an example of the kind of stories that we tell. And I go, well, that's not a story. That's just an opinion or an assertion or you captured a little tiny event. But tell me about Maria in North Carolina. Uh, Give me a timestamp back in February on February 28th of this year in 2018, give me a location stamp. Maria in our factory in North Carolina found broken glass shards on one of our assembly lines. She saw the inherent immediate danger. And you know what? She had only been with uh, the company for two years and she hit that stop. So yeah, it's all about
0: details the more details you bring to the story, oh, but
1: now it's an event something yep. has happened Give me yep. a time stamp a location stamp a person an yep. action finds a broken charge the surprise. Yep. Oh my god She's only been there two years and she gets to turn it off Right, and you know We were down for two days until we figured out what the problem was and we lost ten million dollars But Maria did the right thing and that's right. one of the values we hold dear at such and such a company Now, there's a story, but everybody gets confused of just telling you one little detail about one little thing is a story. It does not make a story. It it does does not.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I see it a lot. You know, people using storytelling as an adjective for anything they think is fancy than the usual, you know, and it's it's much deeper than that, as you said. Uh, one area that kind of is also interesting to me is obviously we, we both kind of doing a similar, uh, you know, work in terms of uh, educating people, business leaders, and presenting, spreading our ideas, anything that comes to your mind, that kind of uh, you learned, you know, from a failure, things that you tried and didn't work. And you think that, you know, Oh, this yeah. is something I need to change because, you know, I thought, A, but. It's, in essence, it's B.
1: <laughs> I can tell you, I'm going to start with a timestamp. Five years ago, it was in October, I remember, because it was, it was nearing the end of our first cohort at Arizona State University. And a very, very bright, lovely, young um, East Indian woman, she's an American East Indian woman who worked for Bayer Pharmaceutical as an engineer, extraordinarily sharp, was in our program. And this is the Executive Masters of Sustainability Leadership program and just to just to protect the I'll change the name to protect the innocent. We'll just sure. call her Anna. Yep. And Anna was totally bought into, you know, what I was teaching and storytelling. I said, oh you gotta get in there. You have to be emotional about it. Well, she got in front of a bunch of German engineers and Bear Pharmaceutical up and she was working out of the Bay Area. And she did. She did exactly as I instructed and she just brought all this emotion and story to it and it freaked them all out. All these wow. German white guys are just going, oh my God, what is this? Is, this, is this lady crazy? What is she talking about? Whatever. That's when I learned this, my, uh, an adage that I get, it occurred to me at the time, a spoonful of story helps the data go down. So right. my point being is I overthought it. I gave her too much content and I gave her too much of a raw, rah go tell stories. Um, mm-hmm. When what I really should have said is know your audience. Yep. Understand yep. that these German engineers wanted left-brain logical data, 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 but it doesn't mean that that's exactly what you give them. Set it up with a little anecdote. Set up the data dump with another little story here so that mm-hmm. now your data makes sense. And so what I learned is dial back from 80% storytelling, in your case, Anna, to 20% storytelling and 80% right. data, but before you present a data point, Give them a little anecdote, a little short story that, that hooks that limbic monkey brain of ours that it doesn't matter how smart you are, right. that your brain cannot resist because after all, we homo sapiens are indeed storytelling animals.
0: No, for sure. No, this is so true. I mean, it's the audience is, is key, you know. <laughs> One thing that you mentioned earlier about... Uh, the great success you had with the clients increasing their ROI and how do you normally measure success, you know, of your programs?
1: Yeah. Well, now it's gotten a lot easier, of course, because once you start implementing storytelling online or for inbound marketing for clients, you can see which stories perform better than others. So you've got a real ROI that you can present right there. Another way to do it, if you are doing brand story creation for an organization, when I use that technique of having them come up with those nine one-word descriptors and then turn them out into the wild within their organization to have other people find those stories, you get an ROI of buy-in that the C-suite can give you. So, you know, but typically when we do this, we're lucky to get 20% of people remotely interested in it. Mm-hmm. So I said, all let right, let's, uh, let's make this, turn this available to, 40 people in the group and see what <clears throat> if you know what you're telling me is right you're only going to get 10 responses or you are only going to get 10 people that are going to act affirmatively positively to it uh-huh. turn it loose and let's see what happens and the kinds of stories you get back the eagerness for them to share their stories and to share them with others those are kind of the metrics we base it on and you typically find now you're getting 70 to 80 percent of those people involved because it's just natural for them. It becomes almost like a game. Find that story. And why I ask them when they do that, these five primal story elements. Give me a time stamp, when did it happen? Location stamp, where did it happen? A character, who did this happen to that, and yeah. it's a character that your a audience hero. can to and live vicariously yeah. through. There's gotta be action and a surprise that happens in that action. And then the fifth element is the aha moment. How does it support? What's the moral of the story, if you will? And right. it doesn't have to be a big, long story. It could be a little anecdote. But what it is doing is revealing what the brand believes, what it values through the story, a true story well told. Uh, very simple to do. You don't need any visuals to do that. Yeah. But as you said earlier, you want to be descriptive and specific in the telling of your story so that you ignite those yeah. visual sensors in our brains and people go, yeah. oh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah.
0: No, for sure. And when you said, you know, those stories are easy to measure, in what format do you deliver those stories? Give me like examples of how those stories are distributed. Are they
1: like just LinkedIn posts or? No, they are anywhere. I mean, first I will have them write it and post it on their internal networks to get people thinking and story and talking and sharing yeah. those. Those that get like the the big hits internally where you know you're really striking a chord, they oh, might see. then push it out through their blog. Um, it may jump over to a LinkedIn post. Sometimes mm. they uh, make themselves available now as a little short video. And I'm talking two minutes or less, two and a half minutes or less video. Right. Um, they even out of them come pull quotes. So you can start using them graphically on mm. Instagram and Pinterest and other places depending on what's appropriate for you and your brand and that sort of thing. So one story can spin off 10 different uh, ways of sharing that story, uh, video, visually through graphics and pull quotes, written form, white papers, presentations. Audio, you take like you you will do with this, you'll have the video of our training, but you'll also have an audio so you can pull out excerpts Mm -hmm. of audio and you can build a real archive for salespeople to use to be able to go and pull these different elements to either literally physically place them in the presentations or at least to listen to them and kind of jog their memories about stories, great stories that the organization could be telling, you know, to to move it forward. But they have to do it intentionally. Our brains in the business world default to the left brain logic side. And yet our brains are really built, they're storytelling creatures. We make sense sure. out of the world through story, not through data. That's why you have to constantly be teaching and coaching and encouraging people to use story and narrative in their worlds.
0: Right, right. No, for Sure. And thinking about, you know, some of your great successes, you're most proud of, of can you share like one or two examples, you know, of a, a, a major, you know, makeover with the client that you're super proud of?
1: Well, though, you know, there are a number of those and those used to really make me proud. They still make me very, very proud. I'm actually more touched and moved by I think the individual successes of people in my workshops that come up to me mm-hmm. afterwards and say, "Oh my God, I just I so got my story completely clarified." Um, or a friend of mine, Jennifer Russo, who was leaving a big international company. She was an international community developer through communications and was looking. Um, you know, in her early 40s, the next step in her career. She had already had this amazing international career, but helping her identify what her story was and, nice. and what the different, you know, influence she brings to the world that is uniquely her own. In fact, uh, people can listen to the episode of Jennifer Russo on the business of story. It was yep. aired about a month, month and a half ago. Uh, but then, you know, she is now the head of corporate communications for Banner Health out here mm-hmm. in Arizona, precisely because she got her story straight. And I'll tell you I, a story about a brigadier general that I was mm-hmm. teaching, 80 of them in San, uh, San Antonio in July. Yep. And he was so moved and understood the story cycle system so quickly that he used it the very next week to address the men on the, let me get this right, West Virginia State football team, the uh, Black black Jackets, the, uh, (laughs) anyways. And he told them the story using the story cycle system about he himself, who was never taught to be a leader, nor did anybody ever expect him to be a leader. And he went in to the Air Force Just to get four years of good training and education, thinking full well, he would come out and go do something else. Well, he found his leadership voice in the Air Force. He's now been there, I think, 26 years. He's a brigadier general. And his story to those football players is you're the same way. You step foot on that field. You may not think of your leader, but everybody in those stands sees you as a leader in this community and that's important because west virginia has the highest level of opioid addiction rates in oh. the country and your job as a leader for this football team is to keep those young men and women off the drugs so he had a point to them to fire up and flame the, uh, the flames of their own fan the flames of their own leadership just like mm-hmm. he had and he used the story cycle in which to deliver it. He's also on the Business of Story podcast, aired about three weeks ago. You can hear his story there too. Yeah. Uh, Brigadier General uh, Christopher Walker. Those individual stories are the ones that make me most proud.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's really the, the personal, making an impact on an individual and, re, and really see, You know, especially when it's a high stake, you know, game like, you know, the Brigadier story. So I can definitely see yeah, you know, why. So this is yeah. great. So tell, tell if, me, if,
1: if, by the way, if you want to see uh, brand storytelling in action, you can go to businessstory.com and just uh-huh. click on the uh, uh, results link. And that'll take you to any number of case studies that you can see how it's actually applied to other organizations on an organizational brand um, stage. And like I said, I'm very, very proud of all of those. Uh, they, they are important to me, but, but helping the individual probably is the most rewarding thing.
0: Absolutely. And thinking about uh, the future, you know, you know, we, as you've been doing marketing for thirty years and more, I guess, and you've seen the evolution of uh, the techniques, you know, okay. from, the, you know, the three channels, print TV, <clears throat> for example, and and paper. You know, where do you see the future of the storytelling, visual storytelling, is headed? You know.
1: Yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's uh, back to the future again. You know, storytelling yep. is so primal to us. Our brains essentially have not changed in 50,000 years, and we use the same meaning apparatus in our limbic system that our ancestors did who prowled the, uh, the savannah. So as our conscious mind gets smarter and technology grows at this exponential Moore's pace, Uh And we're still relegated to the relatively slow evolutionary Darwinian pace of our internal noggins. I think we're going to continue to outsmart ourselves, come up with new and intriguing and interesting ways through VR and artificial intelligence that we think is going to be the smartest, greatest thing to go. But the evolution of story uh, is not going to change appreciably. We need to remember what makes us We're, we're nothing but glorified apes. We really are nothing but, but monkeys running around <laughs> and have this great, like, you know, cerebral cortex that an- allows us to put, you know, people in the space and, and build everything else. But we essentially function like apes. So I think we can't lose sight of that. And make your story simple yep. to the point. Make your <laughs> graphics pleasing, simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Take the damn bullets out of your PowerPoint presentations. I say, Shalomio, PowerPoints don't kill audiences, but presenters who riddle their PowerPoints with bullets oh, kill yeah. their audience. Yeah, yeah. Get down to telling the basic stories because while you and I, and even the youngsters, are on this planet, our limbic system is not going to change one iota. And yet, it really only relates to a very good story, well told simply. that pictures that that expresses those pictures in our minds to help connect the dots or um, takes in the visuals that you create, you know, to help amplify your story. But it all begins with the story.
0: No, absolutely. No, you just told my last question about your three tips, but you just said them. So (laughs) 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 So that's great. (laughs) So tell me how people can actually uh, get in touch with you if they have more questions.
1: Absolutely. They can reach me at uh, businessofstory.com. I mean, they can also send me an email if they like it, park at businessofstory.com. And I would direct them to if they want more insight on all this stuff is every Monday we come out with a brand new podcast. They're anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour long featuring literally story artists from around the world that cover every aspect of storytelling. Uh, We're getting well over 10, I think 12,000 downloads a month now, which places Mm -hmm. us among the top 10% in the world. It's something I've been doing for three, almost three and a half years now. It's like a passion project of mine because I learned so much. Uh, But it's so much fun to present this to the world. So that's the best place to go, businessofstory.com. Check out the podcast, and then the whole host of tools that are waiting there for you. Only one uh, costs you anything; everything else is free. But you can get there, and if you want to start working and put the brand uh, business of story story cycle system to work on your brand right now, you can certainly download our DIY workbook for all of forty-five dollars. That could literally make you millions once you get your story straight.
0: Awesome! Great have you on the show, thank you so much, Park, and everybody that's listening or watching. Definitely uh, check out uh, Park's uh, Business of the Story podcast. I, I'm a great fan. He's really one of the early uh, pioneers in the space. And I hope to see you next time. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Shlomi. Thanks for listening. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.